We'll watch it after. Yeah, that. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's solid though. It's really entertaining. It sounds. I mean, I'm. I'm ready. I'm strapped. <laughs> Uh, hello, all you people and dreamers and uh, not kids. This isn't. This is eighteen plus. But uh, all you adults <laughs> and uh, you know people who are marijuana enthusiasts. Um, More ums, please. Regardless. <laughs> what uh, about other beings that aren't people? Like. Oh, uh, you know. Hey, too? if you are an extraterrestrial or a Bigfoot. Or a penangling. The seventh dimension. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you if you live in the seventh dimension, uh, then hi. Um, <laughs> you have to be chill and like weed. Yeah, yeah. You just have to, you don't have to smoke it. You just have to be cool with it, you know. But we encourage you to smoke it because that's what we do here on the podcast called High Mystery. Yay! Yeah, got through that. One. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robert. I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. And I didn't get the dress code memo if you're nope. watching on Twitch. That's all right. <laughs> so cool with our shirts. There's Rob. You did get the colors right, though. Your Flight of the Concords oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. has, Probably. like, very similar color Probably. scheme. Probably. So. Probably. Okay. Uh, so this is a podcast where we smoke weed. That's why we were talking about, you know, being a marijuana enthusiast. Right. Uh, we do smoke weed. And then we also talk about mysteries. So, you know, maybe you're not into marijuana marijuana culture or anything like that or cannabis in general but you're really down for mysteries well we got you covered on that front right and if you're ever like oh man i wish i could just look at this from a different point of view <laughs> yeah you're just exploring yeah. a different perspective here. yeah if you've never considered bigfoot as a suspect then yeah. you are in the right spot yeah, maybe you're not a stoner, but maybe you're marijuana curious, and we welcome you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just dip a toe in every now and then. Yeah. A social something or another. Yeah, but if you're not into cannabis at all, then you might want to fast forward through the next five minutes, because we're going to be talking about the weed we're going to smoke. Yeah, that's right. If you've got something at home, please spark up alongside us. Uh, and if you're watching us on Twitch, you know, tell us what you're smoking right now, because mm. we're always down for, uh, you know, cross-promotion and whatnot. Yeah. So today I've got a Pineapple Paradise High Hemp Wrap. It is packed with, I uh, have the jar, yes. Whoa. Uh, cream of the crop. Um, Creme. It is an indica dominant, I'm sure there's a brand name, or not brand name, but a, a strain name. Oh, here, it might be on the bottom. On the bottom. On the bottom. <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> on the bottom of the glass. It does not have it, but... It has THCA and THC9, whatever. Okay. It's 24.88%. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good. I enjoy it. I like indica dominant. Okay. <laughs> I've got uh, pineapple uh, paradise rack. Uh, inside is Honeydew Farms Sunday Driver. Mm. It's got 19% THC, but uh, it's really nice. Mm. It's tasty. I have my Twisted Hemp Wrap. Mm. It's the California Dream. Still working through that box, thankfully. I've, I've had to cut back on the amount of blunts I've smoked just budget. You know how it goes. Sure. Yeah. Trying to Quarantine is all hard for us all. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Tristan is the only one of us who funded a project last year on his own. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and inside of it, it's got some tasty weeds from the Wunderland. The Wunderland? Wunderland. Deutschland? Uh, no, it's called Wonderland, but it's got oh. the umlauts. <laughs> oh. It's got the umlauts, okay. so you have to say it, Wunderland. Okay. Um, it's got a THC of 21.91%, and the name of it was Lava Cake. Okay. And then I also have some Henry's Original. Oh, you got to come original. Yeah. <laughs> come original, you got to come original. All entertainers come original. It's got Super Silver Haze, which comes in at 18.39% THC with a 0.06% Sebade. Mm. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of the... 311 song. I couldn't say that really fast. <laughs> I was like, what's Titch? <laughs> titch where we touch our tips. Um, so yeah, today I brought in the mystery. It is called Fatty Arbuckle, <laughs> The Death of Virginia Rap, and What Happened in Room 1219. Oh, this one's pretty close to me. You know, I've, I've been compared to Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> I'm in the Don Gleason, uh, Chris Farley, John uh, Candy, John Belushi category. Sure, 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 sure. sure. Yep. Um, I go fatty. <laughs> <laughs> well, his real name was Roscoe Arbuckle. <laughs> he was born March 24th. 1887. Wow. Yeah, a long so he's like, time ago. He's the original. He's the OG. Truly, mm. truly OG of comedy. So then he wasn't in pictures probably, right? He was more a stage act? He was in pictures. Uh, we'll get around to it. Okay, thank God. So, <laughs> this is like before like that uh, wham bam straight to the moon guy and like all those. That's Jackie That's Gleason. This is way before. Yeah. Jackie Gleason had a show in the 50s. The Honeymooners, yeah. yeah. What about the... Oh, what are their names again? Abbott and like, Costello? Yeah, is that pre... This is pre-Abbott and Costello. This, this is the true OG. OG. Yeah. He would have probably come up in vaudeville acts. He, he did come up in vaudeville Touring. And He's definitely doing his own makeup, like... Yeah, yeah probably himself, like rosy cheeks and yeah. stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually have it on here, but Fatty Arbuckle would play... Uh, would do drag often in um, pictures. Oh, it all lines up. Right? Well, yeah, you can see that like, I mean, it sucks. Sexism was a thing, but they had a lot of the dudes playing the women in like a stereotypical like housewife mom would be like, 
plus size curlers in the hair sure. coming out with like a rolling pin as or a frying pan or yeah autonomous frying pan sure uh so i could see like why you know he would be elicited to play such roles sure <laughs> so uh there are differing reports but uh uh, at his birth, he weighed over 13 pounds. It was somewhere between 13 and 16 pounds. What? Maybe no, Huey's status. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when my cousin was born, he was the fattest baby on Cincinnati record. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what a claim to fame. Yeah, I know. It was like 10 pounds, 11 ounces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something tells me he's lost that title. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, in Cincinnati. Big babies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because both of his parents were slim built, his father believed Roscoe was illegitimate and oh. named him after New York Senator Roscoe Conkling, a notorious philanderer whom he despised. That's fucked up, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fatty didn't have the best childhood. Oh, poor Fatty. The birth was particularly hard on his mother, whom developed health problems. Oh, well, yeah. By God, 16-pound kid coming out of there. And you were saying she's like a petite-framed woman, so... Yeah. Yeah. Arbuckle spent his early childhood performing on stage until his mother died from problems brought on by Arbuckle's birth 11 years before. And I'm sure Dad was really nice about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Super cool. Not blaming him whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It, per- it put his stage acting dreams uh, to bed once his mom died. She I mean, was the only one that supported those. Uh, if you think about it, though, if he wasn't vying for his father's attention, would he have been such a stage presence oh. you know, would he have gotten no, no. if it wasn't like please someone love me I didn't kill my mom I swear like, <laughs> I, think, I think talent is talent it's just sometimes it has to break through I don't know yeah I think he's probably still would have been talented but maybe maybe one thing would have changed and the stars wouldn't have lined up I uh, don't know much like uh, my good friend Colin over here oh. Arbuckle went on to work odd jobs and had a habit of singing while he worked hey Uh, A professional singer overheard him and invited him to perform in a talent show. (laughs) No joke. I had a a woman who taught voice lessons come up to me and sprouts. You're incredible. And gave me her card and all that stuff. I was like, okay. You just never called her? I mean, she just voice lessons. Oh, do you know her name? Uh, I could say it, but uh, it's Sue Boyajian. <laughs> That's the only person I, I took uh, voiceover <laughs> classes, and her class was the one. What? I took. That would have no, been crazy. crazy. I know, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's here in the valley. Shout out to Sue Boyajian. She no. was on SpongeBob. Well, she coaches it. you in singing. I want to hear the the product of her coaching. <laughs> I mean, it was voiceover work, so, yeah, so you're, you're currently hearing it. Yeah, you're hearing it right now. I thought it was singing. Yeah, that's no, the, no, no, the no. woman I'm talking about was teaching voice lessons, not voiceover lessons. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she I, I don't know how good Suboyajan was at singing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's great. Who yeah, knows? She's, she's very talented at, at what she does. Uh, the early 1900s talent shows would have cheering or jeering to determine a winner, and floundering acts would be pulled off stage with a shepherd's crook. So that's you know, like that. Cartoons. That's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. this is legitimately Old early vaudeville school. Yeah, was um, it really around the neck, or was it like around the hip, or like maybe I'm sure. like hook the foot out and then drag them? <laughs> I'm off? sure it's like, mostly ceremonial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. 
Okay, they're like, ha, 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 la, 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 la. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either you walk off stage or we're going to try and hook you off stage because that will at least, you know, get I'm some sure. attention of the audience. Look, we all know theater. I'm sure it was a combination of the two. Right. I'm sure sometimes <laughs> they had to legitimately pull that person off stage. And sometimes it was like, oh, God, okay, I'm bad. I'm, ba- I'm doing bad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. It's much like the Oscars when they play the music and you're like, all right, I know yeah. I got to wrap it up. Who's going to talk for it? Joaquin Phoenix would stay on stage. Yeah. <laughs> he would have to be pulled He'd fight off. fight the shepherd's yes. crook. <laughs> this is important, too, though, because vaudeville is where they set up all the kind of ideas that we see in music theater like they would space the acts in a very specific way mm-hmm. so that at 11 o'clock when everybody was getting tired from the whole night a really big act energetic moment would come on and that's where we get the idea of the 11 o'clock number mm-hmm. okay yeah i'd like to see like an old school version of like kanye west come up on stage and like fight to like let the uh, person stay yeah. on i'm gonna let whatever. you finish with yeah. that shepherd's crook <laughs> <laughs> So he just comes on stage, breaks it in half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arbuckle sang, danced, and did some clowning, which all wasn't well received. Uh-huh. So when the shepherd's crook emerged from the wings, he panicked and <laughs> somersaulted in the orchestra. Mm. The audience went wild, winning him the competition and starting his career in vaudeville. Just shows you, man. Right? You could be bombing 90% of the time. You end with a good 10%. Yeah. You're golden. Yeah. It's the last thing people remember. This yeah, is one strong. Of the, this is one of the earliest bits of all time, too. You know, like... Physical comedy of getting hurt and stuff. Well, and also, like, like, trying really hard and, like, not getting there and then failing upwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just giving me the vibes of that Eurovision movie with Will Ferrell yes. and... Uh, I can't remember the woman... Uh, Rachel McAdams. Okay. When they're like, I don't want to give it away, but similar <laughs> that happens. Yes. The bit has continued for 140 right. years. It works. my point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, by 1914, Fatty Arbuckle had become a well-known silent actor. He was Go known... figure. Yeah. He was known for his rollicking, fast-paced comedies filled with chase scenes, sight gags, and pie-in-the-face cliches. <laughs> it's actually, Fatty Arbuckle was the first person to get a pie-in-the-face. What? He was wow. the first one to get pied off? Yes. Oh, man. First person to suggest, hey, a pie-in-the-face for a laugh. I feel like a lot of comedians go through this evolution where you have, like, a base that works. You know what I mean? Like, he was, at first, it's like, watch this guy get hit in the face. It's going to be great. <laughs> right? And, like, I remember being in sixth grade, like, one of my most known bits around school. It was even written in my yearbook by multiple different people. They were like, Colin, it's so funny when you choke yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't actually choke myself, but I would just mime it. Some funny faces going on. Yeah, there. and, like, that was my bit in sixth grade. Um, (laughs) He was particularly well-known for being agile and light on his feet, despite being such a large man. I hear that a lot as well. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's a difference between being unhealthy and being just, like, the shape that you are or whatever. Like, if you're still mobile, you're still active, you're still living... You know, your best life or whatever. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Life's short and miserable. Just get the most out of it. (laughs) Yeah, live it the way you want to live it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
1914, Paramount Pictures gave Fatty the fattest paycheck of his time. So wait, do you remember when his birthday was? When is like how old he is at this point? Uh, March 24th, 1887. So, so this is 1914. Yeah. So he's 27. Uh, sure. Yeah, he's 27. <laughs> Math. <laughs> he's 27. Sure. That's young. Dude. He gets a deal with Paramount. You Paramount say? Pictures. Oh, I Fatty. mean, at this point, there's also not like as much competition going on like i don't know it's the start of like the whole thing like i feel like it was you know it's just a different i mean it's still very impressive like yeah. i'm not trying to take anything away from his <laughs> achievements as a young adult like sure good job sure hey. nobody was getting paid this much at the time <laughs> he was getting a thousand dollars a day plus 25 percent of all profits and complete artistic control that is a great deal. Like, I don't think you can get a deal like that these days. Like, no. <laughs> no. Definitely, like, you're not going to get complete artistic control on anything. Yeah. Right. Like, you definitely have to become a producer yep. in order to get back-end credit. And even then, like, a lot of times you just don't get credit and do the job of a producer or, like, write a large portion of the script and right. not get mm -hmm. included in the writing credits. What are you going to do? Well, his movies were so popular that in 1918... They offered him a three-year, $3 million contract. Oh, good on you. Which buddy. is equivalent to $51 million today. Wait, his name's Roscoe. Roscoe Arbuckle. Okay, well, I'm going to call him Roscoe for the rest of this. <laughs> Not Fatty. Right? <laughs> you know? I don't have it written in here, but Fatty was a nickname very early on in his I childhood. I bet. Like, I'm sure his dad gave it to him. I, th I think it was mostly the kids that gave it to him and it just kind of stuck. And I mean, he used it as his vaudeville act name. Well, yeah, you got to own it. You yeah. got to take it back and make sure. it yours. Yeah. Like, take the power away. He did say that he did not like uh, being called fatty. So if like people. Shocker. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's very much something that he could say about himself. Right. But if anybody like said, hey, fatty, he would scream back, I have a name, you know. Oh, really? He would yeah. do that? Okay. Yeah. So, so Roscoe. Roscoe is his name. Now Roscoe's laying down a $3 million deal. He's 27. Yeah. Does yeah. he have a wife at this point? Uh, he had a wife. Really? I don't know if... Yeah, it's at this time he has a wife. <coughs> he's also got a contract for like some job security. He knows he's going to be working, making stuff for the next three years. They got yeah. him on contract for a sure. He had to make 18 movies in three years. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what that means back in the day, too. Right. Like, like how long? Yeah. Is it an eight-minute clip? Because <laughs> I could do I that. I can't imagine. I think I think most of them are pretty much like an Five hour. Minutes. What? An hour? Well, I mean, like Charlie Chaplin's movies and stuff were... But this is well before that, right? Yeah, and these are silent, silent films. No, this is around Charlie Chaplin's oh, time. Okay. Charlie Chaplin... Uh, is I think the only actor at the time to get paid more than Fatty Arbuckle. Fatty and uh, Charlie were uh, mentored each other, okay. so they were. I mean, often... it sounds like they have very similar bits. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And Fatty uh, showed up in one of Charlie's um, movies, like uh, yeah. early on and stuff. Uh, he was well known with all the uh, Charlie Chaplin and um, Buster Keaton were like his biggest. Uh, friends and uh, they were like the original mentees. Rat Pack. Yeah, mm. exactly. Okay. 
So um, now we're going to talk a little bit about Virginia Rapp. She was born July 7th, 1895, and was a mo uh, model and a silent film actress, mostly playing bit parts. Uh, like Fatty, at age 11, Virginia's mother died. She was briefly engaged to dress designer Robert Moskowitz before he died in a streetcar accident. Oh. In 1919, she began a relationship with director-producer Henry Lerman, to whom she would eventually get engaged. She starred in many of his films, though it is unknown how many because many of his films have subsequently become lost. Hmm. Lerman, what happened? Yeah, why are you losing films, dog? I mean, it's for a fire, uh, right. flooding. Film is very flammable. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like this is before the days of like the Library of Congress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're They're just not keeping saying a copy on, fi on file or whatever. Right. Um, on September 5th, 1921, Arbuckle decided to take a break from his hectic film schedule. Also, while recuperating from having second-degree burns to his butt from an accident on set. Oh. Yeah, apparently, I think somebody was, like, wiping down the interior of a car with, like, some <laughs> chemical solution or something like that. Oh, no. And he sat on one of the rags, and it burned through his pants and gave him, like, chemical burns on his butt. Dang. Yeah. I so, made you fired. Right. On your butt, dude. Like every time you gotta go to the bathroom, anytime you walk through a sports thing, and everyone's like, "Good job!" Like, yeah. <laughs> Poor Roscoe. Yeah, they had to get him like a donut to sit on and everything. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, he and two friends, Lowell Sherman and Fred Fishback, drove to <laughs> San Francisco and checked themselves into the St. Francis Hotel. They got three rooms, 1219, which was Arbuckle and Fishback's room, 1221 for Sherman, and 1220, which was designated the party room. Burp, 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 burp. Uh. Despite prohibition being in full effect, they invited guests and procured liquor for the Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Seems so funny to be like, that's all you need back in the day. It's like... Come on now, we got a party. We got us some of that good slippery wicked juice. That's right. <laughs> I don't know, nineteen fourteen tunes from the devil. Yeah. <laughs> I guess mostly it was gin that they were drinking. That apparently the drink that they were all enjoying were uh, gin blossoms. Sure. Which is a nineties band if you've ever heard them. <laughs> uh, is what's one of their songs? Uh, maybe I don't know. Jim Blossoms. I think they got maybe Hey Jealousy. Is that Jim Blossoms? <laughs> How do you make the drink? Uh, I do not know. know it's, it's like just gin and like vermouth or something like that. It's like it's all entirely alcohol. Sure. <laughs> but um, was uh, Charlie Chaplin there at this party? No, Charlie uh, was not. Reported to be there. Uh, um, hey, jealousy. I knew it. I knew it. Hey, jealousy. Um, Baby, we can drive around in cars. Yeah, no, that's the Anywhere terrible. you go, I'll follow you down. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Follow you down. I think me, whenever I go home, uh, 
back to my hometown, all my high school friends will like just roll up in the bars and just bump 90s tunes, very like very much gin blossoms, all the garbage <laughs> that played on the radio in the 90s. I feel like they have a lot more songs than I would have realized, but maybe. I mean, you'd know them if you heard them. I, yeah. Trust the blossoms are in your brain, Brad. <laughs> you got 90s working into your brain, dude. I, mean, I, I definitely knew Hey Jealousy. Yeah. How could you uh, not? So he was. Um, on Labor Day, Arbuckle awoke to find that he had many uninvited guests. Mm. He was merged from the party room into his room. I was going to say, yeah, they're not in the party room anymore. They're in his room. I think he just got into the party room, walked uh, in or something like that. He's but, like, who the hell is all these people? I guess they're a hotel room, so maybe it's like, you know, the they they're actually have the a living room in each one, and it's not just a bedroom. Oh, okay. I don't know, though. Mm. I don't know. There is a picture of the uh, party room after the festivities. Oh, like oh, just really? trashed. Just trashed and stuff. 1920s trash. So it looked like a teenager lived there, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't like poo smeared yeah. on the walls or anything. Like. I mean, it was, it's, there's garbage all over the place, but, you know, it's, it seems pretty tame, I guess. Yeah, this is before, like, Pink Floyd is coming through. Yeah, like, they're not flipping <laughs> furniture. <laughs> they're like, throwing TVs out <laughs> of, like, the windows and shit. <laughs> So he was still walking around in his pajamas, bathrobe, and slippers when he found Virginia Rapp and Maude Delmont and expressed concerns that the two of these women's reputations would bring on the attention of the police as Virginia was something of a party girl and Delmont was a known madam. Like a classic... Classic male uh, <laughs> non-qualifiers, I guess. Is sure, maybe sure. That. It's like, so what? Yeah. Does that mean that they deserve to die there or something? Or no, no. Well, they're, they're not. Like, they're not. They're still alive. They're still alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just saw these people at the party and was like... I thought uh, you said he discovered... Yeah, he like, discovered them there. Okay, they're the hanging party. out. They're hanging out. I yeah. think he discovered... Not like, the bodies of I'm them. full on... <laughs> I'm full on picturing like special victims unit yeah, yeah. opening. Right, well, you did say death. So. <laughs> Little boy flying a kite. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the kite goes askew and lands in the field. He runs after it. All of a sudden, a dead body. It's a different show, but whatever. Yes, yes, yes. For the listeners, <laughs> Colin found a picture of the trash room, and it is more trash than Rob made it. Like there was like broken furniture and stuff. Yeah, like there was definitely the the hanging curtain. I noticed that in the background, but it seemed just like stuff all over the ground. That stuff yeah. was literally like a table that they've smashed oh, to pieces. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty bad. It's it's definitely a it's a proper New York hotel or not New York. Hard rock, excuse me. Right. Rock and roll style. Like this was a great Gatsby party. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it was that. the 20s. The roaring 20s. Hey, gang, what do you say? I break the table, huh? <laughs> do it. Let me see it. See? <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't I wave? Do it. Break it. <laughs> I'm so hopped up on cocaine. Engine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we can get this cocaine at the supermarket. <laughs> uh, however... That was all forgotten when the food, booze, and music began. He was like, ah, eh, let him let him party type okay. of thing. Yeah. The food's is out, whatever. I was like, lucky, lucky that uh, catering came in. <laughs> but at some point during the night, Virginia fell violently ill and was escorted into Fatty's room For some to rest. Hmm. 
So a doctor was sent to attend to Virginia. He was like, a doctor was just at the party. Is there a doctor at this party? <laughs> yes. I give people uh, tinctures and stuff. I'll take a look. <laughs> I've only had three gin blossoms. <laughs> hey, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that should be a song. <laughs> it would never catch on. <laughs> it's, it's not our time. <laughs> so she stayed at the hotel for a few days before being taken to the hospital where she would eventually die on oh, September yeah. 9th of a ruptured bladder. Mm. Oh. All right. A ruptured bladder. From People, all the don't hold your pee. If you got to yeah. go, go. Is that what happens? Uh, I don't think alcohol causes a ruptured bladder. I don't think that's what happens. Like a kick to the gut? Is that all? I mean, they could be many, many things. Sexual assault? It could be sexual assault. Oh. Yeah. It could be, mm. I don't know, punch to the bladder. I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. Just no we know she died because of a tear in her bladder. bladder. What are common, uh, you know, causes for a torn bladder? Like oh, outside of... Look that up. Well, <laughs> like if she's vomiting, you know, really hard, like could that like rupture something? I know you could like tear your stomach lining by going too hard like that. Like is, is that connected? Well, we'll get into a little bit of what her autopsy and stuff okay. brings. So because William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper magnate, Mm -hmm. used the scandal to sell newspapers. Uh, apparently, the Fatty Arbuckle story sold more papers than the sinking of the Lusitania. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right? <laughs> uh, Hearst held little regard for journalism and the truth and instead printed lies and misinformation. So there's How very times little... times have changed. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> There's very little reliable information on what really happened in room 1219. Mm. But according to Maud Delmont, in her words, after Arbuckle and Rapp had a few drinks together, he pulled the actress into an adjoining room saying, I've waited for five years and now I've got you. Oh. After a half hour or so, Delmont heard Rapp screaming, so she knocked on and then kicked at the locked door. After a delay, Arbuckle came to the door in his pajamas, wearing Rapp's hat, cocked at an angle, and smiling his foolish screen smile. Behind him, Rapp was sprawled on the bed, moaning, Arbuckle did it, the actress said. Mm. Right? Gross. I don't like Super that Arbuckle. Right? Super gross. Right? <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, you're right. So uh, trigger warning again. Jesus. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, guys. <laughs> Arbuckle turned himself in and was held for three weeks in jail. Now, according to Arbuckle, in his words, after having a few drinks with Virginia Rapp, the actress became hysterical. She complained she could not breathe and then started to tear off her clothes. At no time was I alone with her, and I have witnesses to corroborate that point. I found Rap in my bathroom, vomiting. I and several other guests tried to revive her from what we believed was intoxication. Eventually, we got her a room of her own where she could recover. I mean, I could see... So the original person who told the story, she's like uh, a pimp. Yeah, she's a madam. 
Uh, so, like, I could definitely see her having gotten, what's her name, there, like, drugged or, like, you know, under shady circumstances because, you know, like, yes, there are people who choose to do sex work and things like that, but there sure. are also the case where they're, like, tricked or forced, forced or, like, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know what type of madam slash pimp she was. Well, I mean, my first thought is this woman is an actor. She's not a... She's not being tricked out on the streets sure. or anything like that. Like, But then why is she with the madam? Yeah. Maybe they're just friends. It's possible. Or, or like, maybe they're not even really friends. They were just happened to meet at the party or, like, just happened to be at this same party or... I don't know. I guess you can become pretty close friends if you're spending a whole weekend drinking gin together or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's definitely weird. Like sure. But I also feel like it also sounds like a story where we should believe what the woman says and the men have just a very convenient excuse. Sure. Were all of his witnesses like his bestie homie? Uh, of course. Like... There's no woman to say, <laughs> Oh, I was with Fatty that whole time. There's no woman saying that. I would put sure. A hundred dollars on that. That's what, yeah. Put a hundred bucks on it. Yeah. <laughs> and no true. one will take that bet. <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. Yep. Okay. It's well, just it just sounds like the same shit you hear when something happens at a fraternity sure. or something happens at you know whatever. It sounds all too familiar for me. Well, well, yes. we're about to flip this pancake. Flip, flip it. it. <laughs> that's how yeah. it's bubbled. Let's go. It's yeah. bubbled up. Yeah. We're hot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just turning the heat down just a bit. Okay. Uh, despite this, Arbuckle was charged with manslaughter and scheduled to stand trial that November. Mm-hmm. District Attorney Matthew Brady saw this as a perfect case to jumpstart his career, but his star witness, Maude Delmont, had a history of fraud and extortion. She would claim at times to have known Rap her whole life and at other times that they had just met earlier that week. She was known as Madam Black and that she would procure young women for parties where wealthy male guests soon found themselves accused of rape and blackmailed into paying Delmont. Oh, shit. Talk about <laughs> flipping the pancake. It's a waffle on the other side. <laughs> My what? God, it's, it's a waffle on one side and a crepe on the other? What's happening? What is this breakfast magic? I don't know, it sounds delicious. <laughs> I don't want to eat that. Line up for your crepefuls. Also, there were telegrams sent to attorneys in Los Angeles and San Diego that said, we have Roscoe Arbuckle in a hole here. Chance to make some money out of him. Oh. oh. Wow. So it's dirty lawyering, huh? Dirty, dirty, dirty. I so. mean, in that case, it, it makes it a little better that she was, in that scenario, she wasn't hopefully raped. And like, yeah. But unfortunately, she's still getting taken advantage of by the Black Widow or whatever, Madam. Sure. Madam J, Madam... Well, and also it doesn't seem like Madam whatever the fuck's story came out until What's-Her-Name passed away. Sure. You know, like, it seems like she's just taking a convenience of the situation. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Friends, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton came to Fatty's defense. Uh, His uh, defense attorney introduced medical evidence that Rapp had had a chronic bladder condition 
and her autopsy concluded that there were no marks of violence on the body, no signs that the girl had been attacked in any way. Okay. The attorneys uh, also had witnesses with damning evidence against Rapp, but Arbuckle wouldn't let them testify out of respect for the dead. That's nice. Right? Like, there's no point in, like... Yeah, no raking her name through the mud. Right, because whether or not, like, you want to say those terrible things about her, like, that doesn't affect, like, she didn't come out and say that, like, she was raped by him or whatever. That was, like, the pimp... Yeah. said that, so... Well, Madam Black. Madam Black, right? yeah. Yeah. Madam Black has been doing this. Yeah. It's on her list of things to do. Right? It's right at the top. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she was going to come out with this no matter what, it seems like. Well, even the doctor who treated Virginia testified that Rapp told him that Arbuckle did not try to sexually assault her, but the prosecutor had the statement dismissed as hearsay. Okay. Oh. The we can like Patty again. We yes, can like Roscoe. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for that other side to get cooked. I, was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could roll up a waffle inside of a drink, but it's delicious. Wow, okay. Arbuckle took the stand in his own defense. The jurors voted 10 to 2 for acquittal. Arbuckle was tried again, and again the jury was deadlocked. Dang. Arbuckle was tried a third time, at which time he allowed the people he knew that knew Rap the best to make their damning statements. They testified that Rap had suffered previous abdominal attacks, drank heavily, and often disrobed at parties, that she was promiscuous and had an illegitimate daughter. One of them also attacked Delmont as the complaining witness that never witnessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was a 1920s burn. Oh, yeah. Sick burn. Yeah, you a... are the complaining witness that never witnessed. <laughs> oh, <gasps> shit. Oh, damn. Mic drop. What? <laughs> <laughs> they just invented this thing called microphones. Drop it. <laughs> it's just a big shell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> the... Oh, man, it broke everywhere. <laughs> You shouldn't drop the mic anymore. It was worth it. If you heard that burn, you'd know. (laughs) So the jury acquitted Arbuckle of of manslaughter after five minutes of deliberation, four of which were used to prepare a statement, which read, Acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel that a great injustice has been done to him. There was not the slightest proof adduced to connect him in any way with the commission of a crime. He was manly throughout the case and told a straightforward story which we all believe. We wish him success and hope that the American people will take the judgment of 14 men and women that Roscoe Arbuckle is entirely innocent and free from all blame. Uh, No, I don't think it sounded like that. <laughs> and now time. we, the American oh. people, now we, the American people, that Roscoe. Oh yeah, I guess no, I put it in the South. Just right. so, you're yeah, like they, a they the, volume. Yes, yeah, they, yeah, uh, they got the best foghorn leghorn guy <laughs> to do it. 
you know, because he's the best, whether yeah. he's in the South or the West, whatever. <laughs> I say, I say, oh, Roscoe Arbuckle. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, quibble is not enough. Just a country chicken. <laughs> Arbuckle spent more than $700,000 on his defense. Aww. And due to the very public spectacle of the three trials, his reputation and career were ruined beyond repair. Damn. Roots. Will Hayes, whom the motion picture industry hired as a censor to restore its image, banned Fatty Arbuckle from appearing on screen. Hayes would change his mind eight months later, but the damage was done. Arbuckle changed his name to William Goodrich, or Will Be Good. No. And worked behind the scenes directing films for friends who remained loyal to him, and barely earning a living in the only business he knew. A little more than 10 years later, on June 29th, 1933, he had a heart attack and died in his hotel room. He was 46 years old. Oh, It's not very, very old at all. I mean, when you're talking about the family of guys that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. it's the longest. Uh, uh, Belushi was dead at 33. Yeah. Chris Farley was dead at 33. John Candy was dead at 40. Uh, I think it might be a little older. I think it, Candy might have been 46. He um, might have died this, at the same age as Fatty, but it's a it's great that you mentioned that because that does lead me into a theory that Fatty Arbuckle is cursed. Oh, because yeah. John Candy, John Belushi, and Chris Farley... <laughs> were um, all attached to do to play Fatty Arbuckle in a biopic, uh, oh. and they died soon after the script came to their desk. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's true. I told Rob about this today. Yeah, I definitely knew that Chris Farley wanted badly to play Fatty Arbuckle and was excited to do it, and then died. I did yep. not know that the Fatty Arbuckle biopic would just tossed around to John Candy and John Belushi before their untimely deaths. I mean, I feel like I would almost, I don't know, like you don't want to make that like a self-fulfilling prophecy or whatever. Like, oh yeah, for sure. And if you're the guy sending that movie out to people and they like start, you know, they die, that's got to take a toll on you or like as an actor, like you, yeah, you want it, you get it, you're excited and then... Uh, <laughs> but it's also like, oh, should I take this part? Oh, do I want the script to show? Uh, yeah, because uh, right now Eric Stone Street's Eric attached Stone. to the HBO TV show for Fatty Harbaugh. Be well. Take care of yourself. Seriously, <laughs> don't step on any cracks. Yeah, whatever you need to do, Eric, I want you to be around for a long time. Yes. That's the fellow IL alum, right? Yeah. Second City IO. He's, he's in the improv game. I know I saw him on like IO. TV when that was a thing. Or oh, something. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the YouTube channel or whatever. Well, Look whatever both ways before you cross the street. Yeah, right. Meditate, Ugh. watch your, you know, uh, what's it called? Your heart pressure and stuff, blood pressure. Sure. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Fatty Arbuckle was known for pie in the face. He, I, he wasn't like the first person to do drag on TV, but his drag persona was almost as uh, well known as his persona. I don't remember. I don't remember the name. I think it it was, it was something. It was something. Like (laughs) Rose Arbuckle or something like that. It's still the same last name. 
but I don't know. I really enjoy the pie in the face. I feel like that's like one thing that would be like, you know, if someone were to hit me with a pie in the face, like, I don't know if I could necessarily be upset. Like, yeah, you know, it's compared to like any other type of prank or whatever, like getting, you know, if your face got pushed into a cake or whatever, like if it's like a yeah. fun <laughs> I don't know, like it's 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 definitely nicer. It's got to be exhilarating to have a pie in the face. Yes, it's better than anything the three stooges would throw at me. You know, right? Like I would take a pie in the face over being poked in the eyes yeah. or my nose 100%. pulled or slapped in the face. Right. Uh, it's better than slipping on a banana. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funsies. Like if it's you funsies. Slept, if you yeah. slipped on a banana into a pie, that would be the ultimate, and the pie would probably save you from whatever. Thump you would get. <laughs> do not know what that noise was just now at all. Uh, but um, I was also going to say there's a timeline on that too. Like they, you can only do that so long. When I first started out at IO and would take the stage, like one of my favorite things to do was just like the. I had heard the thing from Chris Farley, like you should always take the stage like a bull mm -hmm. goes into the arena. Start and, at a million. Yeah. <laughs> and so literally that was like my improv philosophy for the first few years out here. I would literally every single time I got up to the stage, I would smack my foot onto it, like stomp the stage as I was getting onto the stage as like a physical reminder to like go as hard as you yeah. freaking can. <laughs> and one of the very first times I ever played on the main stage, I dove out onto it to nice. cover a fictional grenade. <laughs> and when I like dove out onto the uh, stage, I broke the front part of the stage <laughs> and it popped up like six inches. And so the rest of the scene was me like trying to fix it. And nice. It all became like all the rest of the team came out and supported me. And we were all like trying to put the stage back together. That was the grenade that we right. jumped out to cover. And yeah, that was one of many times I've broken things on stages. <laughs> I mean, that surprise, the, the crowd loves it, man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I always mad fun. at you. I'll yeah, tell you that. <laughs> for sure. I've seen people break that stage yeah. so much worse than anything I ever did. But the scariest thing was watching Fred Willard step off to the side because those steps are dangerous and he was like 70 plus. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it was like, oh, God, take care of Fred up there. <laughs> Put some pillows down. Yeah, right. Um, we also know Fatty Arbuckle from, uh, like I said, being mentored to Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Probably wouldn't have those acts without him. Yeah. Um, and Buster Keaton remained great friends with Fatty Arbuckle when Fatty Arbuckle uh, took his job at Paramount. He gave his little production company to Buster Keaton, and uh, Buster Keaton renamed it after himself and started making a lot of films uh, uh, out of it. And when Fatty Arbuckle wasn't allowed to work in Hollywood again, Buster Keaton gave him 35% of all oh, that's his, cool. yeah, his company, okay. uh, let him direct films for him and everything. So, you know. They, Should have changed the studio name back. That would have been a nice little... <laughs> who knows if anybody would have uh, bought any films? Yeah, watched any because the the scandal was so so big and it ran for you know so many years. Yeah, it seems similar to the like O.J. Simpson trial, mm -hmm. except you know because they both won. Yeah, but it tarnished both of them. Yeah, all the same. Yeah, and there's not much of a mystery here because it's pretty much determined that she had 
bladder issues before she even started drinking and that and we know madam black did yeah. this exact practice yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah but i see what you're saying there is the, sure there's definitely some room for doubt like that's yeah. why when you told us the first half yeah I mean, it was like, <laughs> this is classic boys club responses yeah. you know like Pointing at them, calling them sluts, basically. Sure, like, exactly, slut shaming. And I mean, but clearly she was abducted by an alien, and they messed up, and they were just like, oh, drop her back off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Madame Black, like, rented her out to a Bigfoot group the night before. And... Yeah, maybe the men in black came in there, flashy thing them, mm-hmm. gave them all, like, <laughs> differing stories, so they all believe each other's, you know, what they are saying right, themselves, yeah. but we don't really know what happened Come on, Men in Black. Have a cohesive storyline. Seriously, come on. You do a lot of work. Figure this out. (laughs) Disney can do it. Why can't you? Right? I think, I mean, in the end, the most likely scenario on this is, like, not that much happened, and people said a lot of things afterwards. Yeah. You know, basically, she had a bladder problem, and it took her out, and then then everybody started talking. Yeah, exactly. And, uh... And it's all about, like, the news sensationalizing it and, like, 100%. all the false information, like, just to get hits or likes or readers or whatever it is sure. at that point. Money. Yep. Fame, yeah. whatever. I mean, the Hearst paper wasn't far from, like, the National Enquirer at that time, you know? When you're just taking anybody's word and sensationalizing smallest details and possibilities. I mean, they were saying, like, the worst things about Fatty. Just the terrible acts that were conducted in there with like pure speculation no, or yeah eyewitnesses or anything like that so yeah i i wouldn't throw too much credence into anything that was reported on it it's just what he said what she said what the doctors were saying what came out in the trial but it sounds like to me that fatty was just how yeah. was the pimp not then like Question the madam. She's a pimp, all right. (laughs) She's extort. She's extorting these (laughs) girls. She's a pimp. Like a madam, I feel like does it more legit. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's probably true. That is a madam usually is under the confines of like the law. Right, and you know this lady has a strut about her that says, (laughs) she wears all cheetah print hats that have brims that are like three or four feet wide. Yeah, but how did they not? You know, defamation of character or like. I mean, that wasn't a thing. That's not a thing, Matt? Uh, not, not in the 20s. We'll just be like, all right, it came out you're a pimp who abuses women and tricks them into, like, these horrible things, and you lied about our beloved, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. enough not to convince a couple people each time. And so. this could be the boy who cried wolf scenario. It's like, yeah, I was extorting all those people, but oh, this okay, actually right. happened. Right, yeah. that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's always possible. Yeah. Who's to say? Who is to say? <laughs> Well, with that, we uh, turn back the lights, uh, you know, turn off the black light, turn on the regular uh, halogen lights, or the energy-saving lights. But the black lights are so cool! <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, we're, we're wrapping this the podcast episode up, so you gotta, oh. you know, turn on the lights and, you Get know, back to real life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe check out our Patreon area. We got some <laughs> others. You can turn on the black lights then. Uh, but that's it for this episode of High Mystery. I'm Robert. I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. Thank you and And, goodbye. And don't call us fatties. Don't call us
New episodes every Monday. Want more High Mystery? Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash highmystery for exclusive episodes every Friday. Merchandise can be found at our website at highmystery.com. Stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at highmystery for fan art, news, and upcoming events. Thanks for listening.